Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along. Uh, Friday morning episode. Um, oh, yeah. I've started Christmas. You started Christmas? I've started what? Christmas. What, what I have you was got? The, the, out, the pigs in blankets? Out, not yet. Not yet. Well, this is what I was going to talk about. Not yet. I was up the Sainsbury's the other day, and they've got... Obviously, they've got all Christmas stuff out already. And mm. it'll get better, bigger and better as the, as the weeks go by. But the uh, the small packet of the fruitcake with icing mm. bar... You know, oh, yeah, just a small nice. one. Yeah, you, you could you could see it's for a it's for a, a lonely single man, maybe. It's a cake just enthusiast. a small one. A cake enthusiast, yeah. A tasting a tasting wedge. Tasting cake. They call it yeah, tasting cake. cake. Yeah. Mm. So is I this thought, cake? Yeah. Pardon me. Is this cake for tasting? <laughs> yes, you can. It can be used for tasting. Yes, I'll take one. Just, Thank you. Just just have it with some tea or something. Yes, have yes. A cup of tea, just have good, a that. good. And I can have a taste, or I could eat more of it than just a taste. Yeah, it very much is up to you. Okay, interesting. Yes, I it, think I'll take one. It's quite sweet. I wouldn't recommend eating all of it in one go. Oh, all right then. So I got um, one of them. Yeah, lovely. I got one of them. Like my, and I- my brother was in a deli once, like a sort of very posh kind of pretentious deli, and a woman came in. And sort of did that thing that like posh women, posh entitled women do, sort of like not queuing, but talking directly to the man behind the counter over the top of everyone else. And she said, so like, (laughs) she said, do you have any, and it was something like, do you have any Spanish goat's cheese? And then she went, it's for eating. (laughs) (laughs) She had to qualify what it was for. And my brother was like, I felt like saying, Oh, I thought you were going to smear it on your ass. <laughs> That's a bit of Monty Python. So it's Python esque, yeah. that. Uh, oh, and here we go. Someone's being presented coffee. live with a hot drink. Thank you very much. To enjoy. My good wife brought me a coffee. Here we are. What I did was, dog, get the dog out. Go on, Cookie. Because oh, he's not allowed shit. in the office, because I gave her a chance to come back yesterday. And did she keep the plants up? There's been like a. So there's been like a period where she knew she was banned and she didn't even try to come in. Yesterday we were in the house on our own and I was like, all right, you look a bit lonely across there in the house. Come across with me to the office and we'll see Mm. if you've matured in in these last few months. And I set up a little bed for her on a chair next to me because I thought, wouldn't it be lovely... Like, I know Oscar sits calmly and quietly next to you when you pod. He started doing that now, yeah. That yeah. Show you look, that's lovely. And I would find that yeah, really relaxing just to have that presence of a yeah. sleeping dog next to me. So I got a little armchair and I sat it up next to me and I had some writing to do. And I thought, I'd really love it if Cookie could just sit there nicely while I did my writing. <laughs> so it's sort of like there's something romantic about it. And uh, she sat there for about one minute and then she jumped <laughs> off and just fucking wrecked the place. She just wrecked it. 
<laughs> she ate yeah. four pencils before I even had before I even knew what was happening. Distributed yeah. the bits everywhere. Emptied the plant pot <laughs> of its fucking earth. Right. <laughs> Uh, found some bubble wrap, which she tore to pieces. She just fucked the whole place. Oh, that's your, that's your soothing bubble wrap that you like to play with, isn't I it? I know, I know. It's quiet. And I was like... It's, it's, I, on, it's on the allowed list of things that, that I can I've play said with you could while use. we're podding, yeah. Yeah. And the dog is like... I said to her, I partly got you for mental health reasons. I thought it'd be nice to have a companion and a relaxing presence in my... But you're the opposite mm. for my mental health. She just looks at me with a smile on her face with a big yeah. fucking tongue hanging, yeah. lolling it's out. Good to like, it. like, yeah. Yeah, it's good to see it. It's good in here. It's really good. Because, like, we have fun, like, every day, don't we? <laughs> well, I don't think of it as fun a lot of the time. Yeah, you're right. It's brilliant. <laughs> fuck's sake I hate, anyway. I hate it when I have to sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so boring isn't that's it that's not fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, oh fuck it up yeah Oscar's yeah, I mean Oscar's on. like Oscar's like nine nine and a half now so yeah. he's like a mature gentleman yeah but he's always of. been pretty chill hasn't he well not sometimes when he's awake he's a bit of a pain in the arse because he's half chihuahua so, you know, you're not going to get any kind of, you know, rest and, and peace with a, a dog that's half chihuahua. But, uh, yeah, he's asleep at the minute. Um, I was going to mention uh, the, about the Christmas cake thing and that people yeah. will start getting in touch saying that you have to enjoy it with a piece of, I'm going to say a word Jeez. now, which is a trigger word for Oscar, uh, cheese, oh. basically. P- yeah, people, people do people say that. Always... People always say that. They'll say, oh, you got fruitcake. You got us some cheese with it. Yeah, we had this as a sort of a, an ongoing item on the pod a, a couple of years ago because it was actually mm. my... That's a classic. I think that might have been the first time I brought up in Liverpool. We've got this thing called cake. <laughs> and what we do is we mix... You know, like how if you're a normal, you're not from Liverpool, you have in your cupboard, like, some flour, some sugar, some eggs... Uh, well, in what we do in Liverpool is we mix all them things up together with some butter and then we put it in the oven and we cook it. And when it comes out, what we call it is a cake, right? <laughs> put, and, we put um, it in a tin. We call it, get this, a cake tin. <laughs> That's what we like, though. We're just, we're one of a kind. Like, people just don't get it. Uh, if you're not from Liverpool, you don't get things like that. I mean, only a scouse would think about mixing eggs, butter, sugar, and flour, and then putting it in a tin in the oven. I mean, what the hell? Right. <laughs> and cooking it. Um, oh, God. But, but like, yeah. Um, we think this like is my, good. We think this is good, fun content, but then we look at the ticket sales when we do Liverpool and like, compare to Manchester, and, and, and this, there's a big... It's a big difference. I don't care because, like, you know, <laughs> people can take... We take piss out of all the regions. The big difference yeah, between... Right. We do. <laughs> we do, do what do we, t- what do we p- say about Birmingham? Well, actually, I've only had good things to say about Birmingham. I'm a, but, yeah, we take the piss out of all the accents and all the regions, and, and that, that's all it happens in Britain, but... The thing about the Scousers is they're the least, but despite their famed, self-proclaimed great sense of humour, they're the ones who really cannot take a joke at their own expense. <laughs> right. But anyway. Oh, we're going to be boycotted here like the sun. Yeah, oh well. But the um, 
But my nan was a scouser, as I always say, in some sort of limp defence of my uh, of yeah. my banter. But it was like I was with her one morning, and she said, "Right, uh, when I was going to school, I was staying." Uh, somewhere I was staying at, not even at her house at my uncle's house but she was there looking after me and I was going off to school she went you haven't had any breakfast do you want to bother this cake and she gave me a bit of fruit and I said yeah alright and she gave me a bit of fruit cake to eat as I was she went do you want anything with that and I said juice right mm-hmm. I went maybe some juice but I had cake in my mouth Andy <laughs> so right. it was like well it was a bit like Tubby Morton right I was like <laughs> <laughs> Scouse grandma. Right. <laughs> and she went, cheese. And I've got more. And she went, she went, she went, no. She went, oh, that old problem. And she got some cheese out of the fridge, sliced a bit, right, and gave it to me on the plate of cake. And I was like, I was shocked. I'd never heard of this. I'd never seen it. I was shocked and appalled. I was shaken to my very core. Do you think she invented like, it there and then? Was that the first time I someone said, did I, it? Well, no, I, I said, what the hell? I was like, did she? What the hell is this? I yeah. said, it's cheese, that's all you asked for. I went, I asked for cheese. She went, oh, I thought you said cheese. I said, yeah, but who would ask for cheese with cake? She went, what are you talking about? In Liverpool, we have that all the time. <laughs> and so, then, so you- I was like, oh, it's a weird scouse. I did not eat the cheese. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll tell, you what, no. I'll tell you what, Sam, I'll blend, I'll blend the cheese for you. I'll make it into a cheese smoothie. That's better than Grandma. juice. Cheese juice. Grandma, we are in non, we are in fucking London now, right? And this is, I'm sorry, <laughs> I love you, but this is a, a fucking affront to me. Right, and I, I will not be fucking eating that. But so I always thought it was a scouse thing until you mentioned it once before. You mentioned fruitcake before and people from across... All the regions will I have a bit of cheese with it. And actually, I've never done it, but it does make sense if it's one of those brown, very rich fruit cakes. Because sometimes on a cheese board, should you you ever order a cheese board, they give you bits of fruit with it, don't they? Yeah. So fruit and cheese is not completely unheard of. True, true. I've just never tried it just out of spite because so many yeah, that's people how, just that's, so I'm with you on that. That's you, why I haven't tried it. You simply must yeah. try this. Oh, you no, reckon? fuck off. I'll do what I want. I'm a free man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do, Scouse Nan or anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You got anything written down on your bullet points of list of stuff to talk about before before well, we get on to, to before we get onto some Biddy Baxter Blue Peter content yeah. I've well, been I know with. you went to live music last night um, oh, which yeah. you'll tell us about I went to a less auspicious act I just went my mate just had seen a, a pub a nearby pub had a band on and sometimes we just like to see whatever music you know because it's like cheap although it wasn't cheap actually in retrospect it was 15 quid which I think is overpriced because it was just a band in a pub not a band you've heard of but a it lot. played. They they advertised as playing them uh, soul classics, funk, mm-hmm. and the more soulful end of reggae. And I thought, wow, this sounds great. So uh, we went along, and it was like it was sort of older people, right? It was it was a it was a band of like eight people. But I'd read on the website preview that it was supposed to be nine. So straight away, I'm like, hang on. What's going on here? I want mm. my nine piece. I want some money back. Yeah, exactly. They start, and it's like one of those bands where everyone looks a bit like a kind of um, like a geography teacher or an accountant, right? 
bunch right. of white guys, grey hair, yeah. you know, beer guts, quite straight looking, all kind of look quite middle class. And you're like, this is weird. But then they start playing and they're like super funky, right? <laughs> they're like, yeah. they're like one of them plays guitar like he's Nile Rogers, right? There's a guy who looks like your fucking accountant, but he's playing, uh, he's playing the bass like fucking Bootsy Collins, right? And you're like, fucking hell, these guys are... And I kind of like it, the old drug because you see old men, right? And But still doing something passionately that they love and kind of believe in and they get pleasure from. And, and you sort of think, yeah, good on you, mate. You're, you're a bit of an old fucking weirdo, right? But aren't we all? And at least you know how to play really good music in a pub. Right, the older which I is get, more the older than I, I get, can right, fucking the, do. Get, get this, the older I get, the more I think, I can't quite fancy being in one of them bands. Yeah, well, this is, is what, what I was mean? thinking last night, but unfortunately... But I've got no musical ability. Yeah, I have no... Uh, well, you're quite a good singer, which I would, which, um, oh, which oh, is relevant you. to what I'm about to say, because they all got on stage. <laughs> it was, right, and I thought, uh, this is good. But I was conscious that it was going to be all like music of black African-American origin, right? Or some Jamaican, uh, but they're all white. Didn't really have a problem with that. But, mm. um, I mean, hey, I love Jamiroquai, right? But, <laughs> right, but there was two singers and they're sort of middle-aged women and they were great. They were really like enthusiastic and they were, but they weren't the best singers and that was letting it down for me a bit because oh, right. I thought the musicianship was good. The playlist... I said to my mate, I said, one thing you've got to say about this band is I've seen a lot of bands, but I've never been to a gig with a better playlist than this because every single song was one of the best songs ever written, right? Yeah. And so you're like, okay, that's nice. I like that. And their musicianship was good, right? Um, but the singers were very weak. They were very weak. I, I, I hate to say it because I'm not a great singer myself, <laughs> but I have sung on stage Excuse with you me, and I would genuinely say... I would, I would say you were better, you're a better singer than these two women, right? And they were Whoa. taking on some hard things. You know, they like, at one point they did I Wish by Stevie Wonder. And I was like, fucking hell, like, and then, and then they did, what was the other one? I Can't Stand the Rain, which is, you know, I mean, mm. these songs were hard to tackle, right? Mm. Uh, for anyone. And then I was thinking, it doesn't make sense. This is a good band, but these two singers just like, they're, they're no good. Then, <laughs> about 10 songs in when I'm getting a little bit it's starting to fuck me off a little bit <laughs> the doors open and it was like a western right there's this sort of like woman who looks like late 40s black big hair tight dress right right with get this a walking cane right Ooh. a pink walking cane with a bejeweled Ooh. head on it right Wee. Dazzle, and dazzle. I looked over Showbiz. and I thought who the fuck is this? She looks pretty cool. And she's walked over to the stage, taken taken off her coat and gone, sorry, I'm late. And she stood between the two white women who have been singing pretty badly. And it turns out they're the backing singers and they're just oh, there to do ooh, ooh. And she's had problems on the fucking train. <laughs> and she goes, one, two, three, four. And they go into uh, Sam Cook's A Change Is Gonna Come. Oh. And... I won't lie, I nearly burst out crying at the end of it. It was that good, yeah. right? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and it was just an amazing reveal. And it almost was 
better for the fact that the first 10 songs had been let down because yeah. she came in and it was like something from a movie. Just in this pub, it was a sparsely populated pub, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fucked off because 15 quid was too much for it. I mean, you get a table for that, but not food. You know, it was like Goodfellas style. There was, there was four of us <laughs> and we got to like sit down around a table right at the front, <clears throat> right? So that mm. was kind of cool, but 15 quid's too much. But when she turned up, I was like, hey, 15 quid's not enough. This is a world-class singer you've got on stage. She was absolute knockout. Fantastic. And um, she was better than you, mate. I would say I'd put you yeah. above the first two, but sorry, she was she was ahead of most people. So it's nice to go out and see that. You just saw, irrespective of any of the other stuff. Oh, yeah, but talking about Stevie Wonder's I Wish, um, every song has a best bit. We know that, right? Every mm-hmm. song has a best bit. Uh, very often that best bit is a talking bit a little talking mm-hmm. aside, right? Or very often it's also any bit that's done in French, like a little French bit's always good yes. as well. But it could be different in any song. Now, I had a barber that I've told you about before, hairdresser, his name's Jack, top bloke. I haven't seen him much since I went bald, which is really distressing because he was like a great guy. And he would, one of the great things about going and getting my hair cut is he had impeccable music taste. And in his like shop, he would just always have a play, one of his own playlists on. And it would always be superb. And he would, while he was cutting your hair, he'd often get lost in a song and sing along. But he had a habit of jumping to the good bit, to the best bit too early, right? And that <laughs> forever became known as doing a jack, right? right? And the greatest example of that ever, just to sum up exactly what I mean, was one time Ghost Town by the Specials came on and it started, first line, as we all know, is, this town, ah... It's coming like a ghost town. And Jack stood behind me, cut my hair. And immediately after the first bit, he just goes, Why must the youth fight amongst themselves? <laughs> At the top of his voice, right? And I'm like, Jack, you're way too early. Not yet, Way Jack. too early. The song's just like, he went, I know, I can't help it. It's the best bit. <laughs> I just get too excited. And I said, look, I know it's the best bit. Everyone knows that's the best bit in the song. But it's not the best bit if you're impatient and you blow it too early, right? Yeah. And it's there so for, for a reason where it it's is. It's there for a reason, exactly, right? And um, and these these singers last night when they did I Wish, they did the same thing, right? Because the best bit in I Wish is when she goes, you nasty boy, right? <laughs> Writing something. He goes, in something nasty on the wall. You nasty boy. It's halfway through the song, right? Yeah. The song starts. Looking back on when I... Was a little nappy-headed boy. Straight away, you nasty boy. I've looked around at my mate and I've gone, she's done a fucking jack and I'm fuming. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot do that. It's amateur. This is fucking amateur hour. She's just done the best bit (laughs) in the first 10 seconds of the fucking song. 15 quid I'm paying for this. I want a bit of professionalism. So had they so, not said that the, the proper singer was lit or anything? They just came on and just it. started. They hadn't, they hadn't said announced it, anything. Which was stupid. They should have just said, look, yeah. she's late. We're going to start without her, but don't worry, she will be here. Because yeah. some people could have. I don't think it happened. Walked out. Because the singers were like, they weren't... When it got to backing singing, they were just doing a little bit of harmonies. They were fine. But they, they didn't have... The band were good and they were quite loud. You needed a powerful mm. voice. And they should have just said, look, we're going we're gonna to bust this until she turns up. Yeah, uh, but they didn't. Yeah. I think they, they sort of thought, the crowd, "Here's our chance." Crowd on their side, wouldn't they? You would have, 
you yeah. sympathise and everything. Yeah. yeah, I would have been like, go on, you're doing an all right job here. But no, I think they thought he's a big chance to get the limelight and get the top job. But yeah. no, no chance. But no st- chance. But still a good night out, though. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Just going out to see live music. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you see a band you love. Sometimes you see a legacy band. That's a big commitment. But usually they're very, it's very good. And you'll, you you pay the money because it's sort of like you're guaranteed because you know all the songs and you know they've been around for years and you know they're going to be great, right? Sometimes mm. you see an up-and-coming band and that can be quite exciting. You think, hey, I think they're going to go places and I'll be able to say that I was there right from the start, right? But sometimes I just like to see a rat take potluck in a pub because it's fun. Yeah. I like to see people playing instruments because I'm so unmusical myself. I'm awestruck by almost any competent musicianship when I see it close up. And yeah. sometimes in an intimate setting like the back room of a pub, it's sort of, there's something hypnotising about just seeing some... And sometimes the fact that they're not rock starry in their appearance or attitude, mm. the fact they just look like some geezer, you know, that you'd see in fucking Starbucks, right, eating one of them big cookies, right, mm. for example. Um, you just... The fact that they look so ordinary and yet they're yeah, doing yeah. something that appears extraordinary is almost more of a thrill to witness. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, those any one of those musicians could have had a stroke of fortune at any time in their life that could have yeah. propelled them to stardom. Yeah. But they're no better or worse technically than anybody that's like become a massively successful, hugely yeah. wealthy musician. Yeah. It's, it's it's just that kind of... It's kind of like... How the dice yeah. or maybe- are, are, are tossed... Or maybe they never. Some people just love it as a hobby, and they but yeah. they never have the intention of making it a career. But yeah. they continue it as a hobby through their life, and yeah. they continue to improve even as they get older. Because you know, I know, like my uncle, I talked about last week, the one who who just recently died. I know that he he was a real odd guy, right? He was a fucking real genuine eccentric, and all my memories of him when I was a kid being around at their house was he would just come home from work he had quite a busy work life and he'd come home from work and he would just pour a scotch or crack open a bit and just sit with his electric guitar right with the headphones mm. on usually because his wife my auntie would go mental at him and every night that's what he'd do that's how he unwound never watched telly mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that I don't even know if he read he just came home and he walked straight in and he got on the guitar and he played it to himself until bedtime so yeah. He must have, you know, and imagine that. I'd love to be able to do something like that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that, there's a couple of things there. Like, I went to see Haircut 100 last night, who have yeah. reformed, and I have to say they were fucking brilliant. Yeah. They were so good. I mean, they, when, they were, when they were together, they only did one album, so it's tough to kind of get an entire set out of that. So they right. did pretty much the whole of the album, Pelican West, they did in 1982. They yeah. did a couple of cover versions, cover version of Harry Styles as it was, which was brilliant. Right. Okay, and and they also did a couple of new songs because they're working on some new stuff, and the new songs are reliably excellent. But oh, good. just getting to what you were saying there, a couple of things I was thinking about. I was looking at the the, the guy who plays the bass for them. It's called Les Names, <laughs> and I was just thinking what, what happens after Haircut One Hundred breaks up for Les Names because he's just mm. someone who's in a band. They get that stroke of luck. They become huge for a year, and th- then what? And it's like, do yeah. you, do you go back to? to just being someone who plays in pubs. But like Les Names became a session musician for Chris Rea, China Crisis, Rick Astley, among others. Wow. He moved to Spain in 2003. Where, wow. hey, good stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it, you can be 
it's the opposite, isn't it? You can be really good at being the bassist and get all that success and then it disappears. Or you can never have it and just be as good on the bass as like Les Neems is. Yeah, um, I mean, you just some do it for the make love of a good, it. You make a good living out of, uh, well, I don't, know, I don't know enough musicians or about musicians, but yeah, some people are just like, you know, amazing session musicians, aren't they? Yeah, and also just the, the name Les Neems is brilliant. It, Les Neems sounds straight away, it made me think of a character from the League of Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The name's yeah. Les Neems. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I used yeah. to be a bassist in Haircut 100. Of course you did, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you no, want me to you play Google something it. for you? you Google it. <laughs> but yeah, they, they were they were they were brilliant. I mean, Nick Hayward is just a massive force of positivity, and always yeah, has he's been. A great guy. His, his solo stuff that he did is all great as well, um, and he's just, it's just, it's just he just exudes charisma, Nick Hayward. He lights and up a room. I, I, was t- I was telling you off air, I interviewed him a few years ago on the radio, and he's like, everything, when you look at a picture of Nick Hayward, you know, he's got this lovely, radiant, healthy boy next door, kind of fresh-faced, like, yeah. joy and energy. And, and that's he still what has. you imagine him. And then and then he walked into my radio, he's exactly the same. And he still looked the same, he was like frozen in time, and there's a photo yeah. of me and him together that I've got, and like... He must be 15 years older than me, but he looks a good few years younger than me, irritatingly. But yeah, picture of he's health, 62, good mate. energy. He's 62. 62. Yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. So he's like, what's that, 14 years older than me, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, he, he looks the business, doesn't he? And I don't think he's lost a... Last time I saw him, he hadn't lost a hair off his head, mate. No, no, it's all still there. It's, and it's still pretty much the same colour that it was, slightly greying, but um, still looking great. I'm just looking at, on his Wikipedia. He fa- in 1998... He he favoured a cricket jumper, didn't he, back in the day? Yeah, back then, yeah. What were they dressed like last night? 1998, Nick had a spiritual awakening that he described oh. as a feeling of complete contentment and a wow. deep connection with nature. <gasps> well done. Yes, mate. Well done. Fucking, Fucking hell. hell. No wonder it. he looks great. Exactly. Does yeah, he explain how it happened or not? Does uh, Well, there'll be... I guess there'll be an interview somewhere. What happened was, I was, I was walking in the park and I got a bit lost. And I thought, oh, hell's bells, I'm, I'm in trouble here. And then I just sort of spent some time sat on a bench and then suddenly it hit me. Bang! Total contentment. Just looking He's at probably, a tree. Yeah. I probably hugged a tree. Yeah, well. Like you did recently. I can recommend it. That moment when I was hugging the tree and then when I was lying about in on the leaves, I've yeah. got to say, I did feel amazing. But it doesn't last. I mean, oh. it's all good, and now I have another thing in my tool set. For <clears throat> yeah. And I, you know, and it, the big difference it's made to me is I, I go out in nature a lot anyway, walking the dog. I always try to go somewhere interesting, like park or down by the river or whatever. Um, and the, the thing that it taught me was don't wear your headphones. So I didn't wear my headphones because you sort of like are more in, in the place. You get You're in more the like absor- yeah. You appreciate it more if you can hear the sounds of nature mm. around you. You don't have to concentrate on it or analyse it, but you can just, like, feel it more. So I have started doing that. And when I run in the park as well now, I don't wear my headphones either. Um, and that was sort of one of the bits of advice I picked up on the day. And it, um, it's it been, it's actually been, I enjoy it. I've stuck with it. Right. Okay. Because if not, you're just like, you're listening to music or a podcast and you're just locked into that. And it's just more yeah. fucking information and data 
being fed into my fucking nut the whole time and sometimes yeah. I just don't want any more data. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits and... There's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Jalapeño. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Jalapeño. I'm mm. kind of doing a bit more walking than I have been recently. And um, but I'm, I'm I'm kind of accompanying that with the Alan Partridge audio book oh, yeah. collection because you know he does a podcast. I've, I've listened yeah. to all the podcasts, but he's now got his third book came out yesterday. Is this a? Has he got? A, is it called Big Beacon? Something like that. Yeah. 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 And there was the, so there's been two previously which I've got, but I've never got around to reading or listening to. But I've got the audio books. Obviously, yeah. he reads them, so mm. you just get, it's so, so enhanced by listening to mm. him reading them. So I'm working my way through them as I'm walking about, and it's it's a great way to spend some time. Yeah, but, I'm going to download that. I don't love audio books. I struggle with them, but that mm. is a whole different. That's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah, obviously it's cool. Talking to Coogan, I have started watching the Savile thing. Uh, my mm. wife's not keen for understandable reasons, but I was—I really wanted to watch it, and so I, I, I grabbed a couple of episodes. Where I've just been at home on my own, and it's really—I think it's really good. It's mm. like—it's uh, like brilliantly made, brilliantly written, great performances, and dealt with in a quite powerful but sensitive way. They're quite there's—you know—it's hard to know how you're going to deliver an authentic tale that's sufficiently powerful. Right yeah. about uh, someone who's a serial sexual abuser without yeah. it being, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you do that sensitively? I wouldn't know where to begin. That I think they've they've done it really well. Uh, but, <laughs> but oh, and another thing about it is that well, the other thing about it from a personal point of view is they they base it around the journalist Dan Davies, who, who I know I've known mm. for years. I don't know if you've ever encountered him, but he's like, he was, he worked on men's magazines for years and stuff. And he's a good guy. And he was sort of, he wrote the definitive book about, about Savon in his late years. He, he interviewed him. So there's someone playing him in, yeah. in the drama, but it's in his apartment in Leeds, the one that I went to, the one that there's photos of me sitting around in with yeah. him. Right. And it's fucking uncanny. 
like watching it because they've got this guy playing Dan sitting with Savile and that would have only been that would have been shortly after I'd been there you know with uh, doing my piece with him and the, the, the apartment is an identical fucking recreation right. that it's almost dizzying how familiar it is and also yeah. the dialogue which I can only put down to like the way in which Dan wrote the book which has been adapted into show is so reminiscent of exactly how he spoke when I interviewed yeah. him where yeah. he spoke constantly sort of irritating speaking in rib- riddles being cryptic and sort of throwing everything back at you and trying to be a dick and confuse you or belittle you with everything yeah. he said in a subtle way and it's just one of those interviews where you're just sort of annoyed because they won't answer in I've had a few of those over the years and that was probably the worst but it's just like you just at first it's funny and then you're like mate just answer the fucking questions I'm here to ask you do you know what I mean but it's fucking uncanny like how exactly accurate both the the way in which he talks and the fucking apartment yeah. is right but the all I was going to say is what's what's the only thing I struggle with is that because it's Coogan playing him I'm thinking I couldn't help but feel I wonder if they should have asked Michael Sheen to do this right it is Michael Sheen, isn't it? The one who played Clough he and did, Blair. He, does, and he did Clough and Blair and yeah. Kenneth Williams. And I think mean, Michael yeah, Sheen, yeah. great actor. I think they should have got him because the thing is, Coogan's performance is great, of yeah. course, right? But Coogan is the funniest actor, one of the funniest yeah. actors of all time, right? And he is also a brilliantly talented mimic, mm. <laughs> right? And who's the most impersonated person ever in UK it's show Jimmy business? Savile. It's Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. So what yeah. you've got is you've got the most talented impersonator in British show business playing the most impersonated man in British show business, right? Who was in himself a, a hilarious, grotesque kind of, even before yeah. all the revelations, he was a hilariously grotesque thing, right? Jimmy mm. Savile. So you've got fucking Coogan doing this pitch-perfect impression, basically, of Jimmy Sapp. And you just... And it's a, obviously, it's a dark show, but you're sitting there, and there are bits where you just can't help but fucking laugh, right? that, that's, exa- that's exactly what I was thinking. When I was watching it, there's times where I just kind of drift... I zoned out of what it was, and I'm just looking, and I'm thinking, there's Steve Coogan doing Jimmy Savile. Yeah, and is he wearing a false chin? Yes. Is he wearing a prosthetic yes. chin? Which it makes must it even be. weirder. It's not yeah. his real chin. It can't yeah. be his real chin. And the other there, thing there's about a, there's it... A, there's a couple of really funny bits like where he refers to somebody as a cunt. Yes. And just the way he says and, that. Well, it's so like John Fanny Powder. That's the other thing. In the yeah. first scene yeah. when Dan Davis is interviewing him, he goes, he says something like, no, there is no other story. Yeah, you see, what you see is what you get with me. Next question. And that's yes. like in the first scene. Yes. And then all the way through it, he just sounds like Roy Ray's. You go, you twat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you see that bit where he goes, what's he say? If I wasn't such a good Catholic, I might tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. He says that Roy to the Ray's geezer right, in the hospital, right. doesn't he? His mate yeah. who runs Leeds Infirmary. Yeah, oh, yeah. fucking hell. I'm o- I've only done two episodes. Have you done the whole thing? I watched it all. I accidentally watched the fourth one first. Because the no. Skybox fucking... They, uh, they were all was available. was it one of those ones where you didn't realise it was the fourth one? Yeah, because it, it, yeah. was, it was kind of just towards the end of his life. And I thought, oh, it's going to be one there where it starts at the end and then goes yeah. back. Yeah, and then yeah. before I knew it, I was an hour in. And I thought, oh, this yeah. isn't right. Oh, it's the end. Fuck. I've watched the last one. Yeah, I, I would I would, I would, would cautiously recommend it. But it completely depends on the individual. Because some people, it might be really like... 
upsetting and triggering and yeah and i thought it might be for me and it kind of is but i think it's i think it's fascinating i think it's you know some people are critical of the bbc for making it but i do think you know these things fucking happen and then we're all like oh how did that happen and Mm. then you sort of think well you need to fucking examine how things like this happen because it's happened repeatedly in showbiz do you know yeah. what I mean? And and yeah. you have to fucking work out the sort of people who rise to the top of that kind of profession. Very often, I've talked about this before when we were talking about Russell Brand. It's like, very often, by definition, these people suffer from some sort of potentially dangerous personality disorder like narcissism, right? And that's mm. why it is kind of that they rise to the top of that. And it's almost why they're good at it. And the thing is, as well, they're also very clever. They're also very, very good at it. They're very manipulative. Manipulative. And they they, they know how to work it. Yeah. You know, it's like I always say, like, criminals aren't stupid, or some of them are, but career criminals are incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. They understand human nature. They understand human nature very well. They understand what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the other thing was, when I interviewed Jimmy Savile, we spent half the day at his apartment... But then we went out to a place in Leeds. It was some sort of library or something. And it was right. they had something there called the Museum of Jimmy Savile, right? Fucking hell. And they'd set up a Museum of Savile because they were honouring him as one of Leeds' most successful mm. and famous exports, so to speak, right? So we went there to have a look around. And then we had a cup of tea in the canteen. And he kept going to me, watch this, watch this. And he'd get up and go over to like mainly old people. And he'd sneak up behind them and do a silly joke, right? He'd go, mm. oh, Alan, Alan, what's going on here? Mr. You know, and he'd like give people silly names. Like, here he is. Here he is, the rock star. And it'd be some old geezer who didn't know what the fuck was going on, right? Yeah. And he'd come back to me and go, see that? That to me takes me 30 seconds to go over and do that. But I've made his day, potentially his year, right? Yeah, yeah. And he kept, and he was going, and I kept thinking, Actually, you're annoying and scaring some of these people, right? Because some of them are like really old people who are sort of a bit nervy. And suddenly, you're like insane. He was wearing a fluorescent string vest, for fuck's sake, right? And I'm like, you're just fucking pouncing on these poor cunts. You're and being his year. You're super weird. Now, the rest of the year. He went up to... Uh, one person said, he went, do you want me to leave a message for your wife? Or something like that. Or the person said, yeah, all right. And he said he called. The, he got the person's phone. He called the wife, and he left on the voicemail. Your mm. husband. This is such and such massage parlor in Leeds. Your husband <laughs> has racked up a bill for over a thousand pounds for the exotic massages he has been enjoying uh, with our ladies for over a year. And uh, you need to get back to us ASAP before we send the the heavies round, right? And then he just, like, puts the phone down and hands yeah. it back to the bloke and goes, there you go, sunshine. And the bloke looks fucking traumatised. And he looks at me and gives me a wink and goes, that'll have made their year. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> but, oh, again, God. you see a lot of that in the fucking series. Like, when he's fucking walking around the hospital dressed as a fucking jester. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just but same thing, just like fucking pouncing on people and being a bit of a twat, and then like being convinced that that's mm. that that's like wonderful for people. Peculiar, isn't it? It really was, and the, the opportunism of the the kind of crimes that he committed. It was it wasn't like premeditated, what sort of thing. It was just like there's an opportunity. I'll take that opportunity, and it yeah, you know, and, and that's like 
2% of his time almost. And the rest of the time he's, he's creating and maintaining this facade. Yeah. Of him being this good guy in this charity fundraiser and everything. Yeah. To cover up that 2% of dark, dark, dark yeah. fucking evil it, deeds. It, the did. amount of commitment that takes as well. Like, I'm not, I'm not well, saying that. in that I'm, completely I'm not useful ad- thing, I, wasn't I, it? I, I'm not admiring him and going, oh, yeah, it takes a lot of work. But what I mean is... <laughs> He's like devoted his whole. Yeah. You're right. He devoted his whole life. It was the entire thing. And all, yeah. all that fucking energy and hard yeah. work in order to basically utilize a tiny fraction of his life getting sexual thrills. Yeah, because he had no no ties to any humans. He didn't have any relationships other than the one with his mother. He didn't have any kind of geographical ties. He, he lived in various places. You know, like you said, he yeah. was a nomad. He drifted around, just fucking batshit. Absolutely also, batshit. Like. I know they show, and you, you'll have more insight if you watch the whole thing, but they show, like, his meetings with the BBC executives when he was, you know, first getting in there and the yeah. way in which, like, the bosses who gave him work and helped him rise to the top, how they reacted to him. But I have to say, even when I was a kid, I'd never once, when I was a kid, when he would have been pretty much in, still in his imperial phase with Jim will fix it, yeah. as a regular on top of the pops, right? I just thought... Like, when I was a child, I thought, this bloke is a fucking weird cunt. Like, there were never any... Mm. I never... You know, I never... I'm not saying, oh, I knew he was a wrong one, because at the end of the day, I'm one of the many journalists who spent time with him and never fucking raised any alarm bells or anything like that. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? But I remember... I just... What I'm saying is, Andy, I can't understand how it is that Jimmy Savile was... Uh, forget all the fact that he was a, a, a monster, but just on a basic level, like... Why did he have such a long career? He wasn't entertaining. And I don't know anyone who ever said Jimmy Savile is fucking great. People just used to go, young or old, no one said, I love Jimmy Savile. They used to go, Jimmy Savile's fucking weird. Jimmy Savile attached himself to stuff that people loved. He was mm. on top of the pops, which was a magnet for people who love pop music. And then he, yeah. he was sort of lucky to land Jim Will Fix It, which yeah. as a kid, you would watch Jim Will Fix It every week because... You wanted to see what the yeah, fixes were, and, you, and you'd go, oh, I wish that was me being yeah. on that yeah, roller coaster and the best one ever was when someone got to perform with Madness, and a lot yeah. of the other ones were shit. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd and always get watch a massive, in hope. They'd get a massive post bag every week of people wanting to be on there. So he, he yeah. was either lucky or manipulative enough to, to be able to attach himself to those. They were his two major projects, really. Yeah. They were the yeah. two things. He, but, yeah... We didn't know what a, a wrong and was really. He didn't come across. Everyone just thought he was a bit mad, like fucking Wurzel Gummidge or someone like that. He was yeah. just an eccentric. None of us thought, oh, he's dark and sinister. How did they choose, or how did they choose? How did executives at the BBC choose who they think is an appropriate person to be on telly? Right? Yeah. Who were these men who made the decisions? Like what? What is it that they saw in someone like Savile or anyone really, and thought, "Yeah, he's the right man for this job." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, uh, you know, ultimately, it comes down to like personal tastes of people in positions of power. I'm yeah. just, and I'm not even being cynical here or going, "Oh yeah, what do they know?" I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't ultimately know how those decisions are made. Yeah, but of course. There are some fucking weird people who end up in those positions and Savile but, even prior to the revelations about his life was easily fucking anyone knew he was the weirdest person of all and yet he was a permanent fixture of, it comes back to that thing you're saying of narcissism 
and yeah. some people have an overriding desire to be famous. Yeah. Which is, when you think about it, is weird. It is weird, in itself. Yeah. It is weird. Uh, yeah. It is anyway. weird. Is it? Like, uh, no, I, I mean, I wrote a thing after the Russell Brand thing and I was going to put it on a reset, but I didn't because I showed it. I showed it to my missus and she was like, nah, it's too, it's a sensitive situation. Like, mm. you know, and I thought, yeah, I don't want to fucking get involved in that. It's none of my business. And what do I, there's a fucking plethora of people, isn't there, with opinions. Why do I need to be another one? <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? But what I was saying was, and I think I've said this before on this podcast, is that like, I examined myself and, you know, someone who's done a bit of broadcasting. I was thinking, yeah, I mean, why is it that you want to be in front of the camera or in front of the microphone? I think, mm. in my case, if I'm really honest, like, I think some of it is rooted in, in like, a weird insecurity, or was. I don't really have it as much anymore. But, yeah, when I was younger, it's like it's a weird insecurity because it's like, it's you feel like it's approval. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If you're yeah. selected to be someone, you kind of think, oh, this is a... I'm getting, like, r- pretty good approval here because... Yeah people like the way that I'm coming across it. Do you know what I mean? I'd I've, I've mm-hmm. never thought it before, but I really examined it because I was just thinking about fucking hell, Russell Brand and all these other people, their rooms are like, and Jimmy Savile and Philip Schofield. And you think, what is it? Why is there a disproportionate amount of wrongans who end up on TV? And I was mm-hmm. examining, what is it? And I'm not saying everyone's a fucking monster. I'm, I'm not saying I am, but I am saying there's always a tiny bit inside you that's like some sort of insecurity that or a scratch you're trying to itch. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discomfort yeah, totally. with yourself, maybe. But, but I mean, I think, I mean, I, I never wanted to be a performer mm. of any kind. But I've ended up doing stuff on stage with you and with mm. Bob. It was never mm. part of my plan or agenda Tap or anything like that. For example, but I'll yeah. say this: being on stage and having a room full of people laughing at stuff you say is fucking, yeah, it's fucking a thrill. Feels really nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you it can is see nice. why people crave that and chase it. Yeah, you can. You can. And so I'm not for a moment saying everyone who takes pleasure in that or pursues it has some flaw. But what I am saying is you can see that there is a potential for it to attract people who do, who might have uh, problematic personalities. Defect in the head. Defect in the head, yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's not a big deal, but sometimes you get the odd Savile where it's like, fucking hell. The warning time. It's like, you know that Groucho Marx thing, I'd never want to be a member of any club. I'd never want to join any club that would have me as a member. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, or they say, any. I don't trust politicians because I almost think that anyone who wanted to be a politician in the first place has something dodgy about them, right? Yeah. If they want to seek. And I've always thought the same about police. And um, mm. traffic wardens, right? Parking people. Like, there's certain jobs. Self-appointed uh, I think, why did you want to be... I want to be a policeman because yeah. I want to impose rules and have yeah, power exactly. and wear a special suit, right? And uh, <laughs> some people think that about politicians. But you could say, like, oh, you want to be a TV presenter, do you? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Fucking weird, weird people sometimes. And I guess that thing, that thing that that makes them want to do that, that defect in the head, can just get amplified when they get successful because then they have to have anyone to say no to them. Yeah. And opportunities arise, and they they just be, they gradually turn into monsters. I remember my dad saying to me years ago when I was quite young about Jimmy Savile. Right. My, my needed to say my dad detests Savile. Right, I mean, whereas I would think Savile, weird cunt, but sort of funny because he's so weird. Like, my dad would be like, Jimmy Savile is like the worst 
person. And he went, the thing is, he went, in life, the way you modify and adapt your personality, it's like in anything, you absorb feedback, either explicit or implied every day to your behaviour and your actions, right? And you see what makes people react like negatively and you change Mm. that. And you see what makes people respond positively and you inflate that. And that's how your personality grows, right? And he went, but you see Jimmy Savile, he went, because he's famous and has been famous for a long time, people only give positive feedback around famous people, which is actually true. Yeah. That, you know, that is true. Yeah, and, they're on a pedestal, yeah. Yeah, they're on a pedestal and people get excited to meet them and they will just go, mm. yeah, yeah, that's great. And you never get bad feedback. Even if you're like, if you're presenting on a, a radio or TV show, you'll never get anything other than positive feedback until the day they let you go, right? Mm. Because if there's anything negative, that will never be shared with you, right? And Jimmy Savile, he goes, Jimmy Savile has been unable to adapt his personality to be reasonable. <laughs> I remember my dad <laughs> saying, this is the sort of thing my dad would say to me when I saw him at the weekend. Well, I'm just like, shut dad, I'm trying to watch Jimmy fix it. Sit down and listen to this. Yeah, yeah, it was very like <laughs> that. Like, but, dad, dad, but dad, there's a Cub Scout eating a trifle on a roller coaster. Shut up. Stop analysing it. <laughs> right, and he'd go, look, the reason he is so bizarre and strange, he goes, it's because that's how he's acted. And everyone's just gone, hey, nice one, like that. But so he just thinks everything I do is, is the right thing. And so yeah. I'll do more. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. What did my dad say? Or, oh, yeah, or, just or, quick. Or, he, or Savile correctly identified that that's how it works and that would be a brilliant cloak to be able to, to yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, carry You're out right. the, that, the that was what that it appeared to, to be the case, but this is all pre revelations. Now yeah. you have to reassess everything about his persona. Yeah, there's a narrative. Think, oh, it, shit, there? it was actually a calculated scheme. Yeah. But, um, just a quick update on my dad. Uh, I think I mentioned to you he's broken his arm, so I've been around there a lot trying to help him out. And uh, I made him some scrambled eggs, which wasn't easy because he stood over me and critiqued every <laughs> last thing. I did from the spatula I used, the pan I used. I mean, like, you wouldn't, you'd think making scrambled eggs is a simple process, but when you're subjected to that level of scrutiny, it becomes like really complicated because every, you realize there's like a hundred micro decisions in just scrambling some eggs, right? And every one, unfortunately, I got every one of those micro decisions profoundly wrong. Oh, dear me. (laughs) Really badly wrong. Anyway, uh, one just quickly I go right I'll, I'll scram some eggs I go oh these eggs are quite small right and he went yes well I've been trying to economise he went so one of the things I did was I've always just bought large eggs he went just what I've always done bought large eggs he's he's thinking back to his heyday in the 90s when he had that Macarena bear you know exactly. that, that monkey and that the, danced the, the, all the Shane CDs and the parties in his flat yeah, yeah, large exactly. eggs obviously large eggs it's a large, egg large eggs how many a dozen fuck that give us two dozen if I don't eat them all, I'll just chuck them and get some more. <laughs> He's thinking back to those days, right? That was his Wolf of Wall Street era. So now, not so, not so, uh, not so well resourced. Let's say. So yeah. he's like, I've had to economise. So, <laughs> so one of the things that I've realised when I do my online shop, he went, I thought I can get small legs. He went, the price difference is immense. And I go, is it really? That's really interesting. And I said, don't you have to use more eggs, though? And he went, mm. no. He went, that's the thing. Because at the end of the day, you get the same amount of egg anyway. <laughs> I went, what? What? <laughs> and he went, 
Yeah, the shell's smaller. He goes, but open the shell's it up. thicker than is it? He, no, he, go, he goes, open it up. Same amount of egg comes out. And I said, so what you're saying is small eggs are as big as large eggs, but they're cheaper. He went, yeah, exactly. He said it's just a marketing thing, right? And I was like, that's amazing. So I I cracked open an egg, a small egg, mm. and of course it's bollocks. It's it's really small when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, fuck this. I can't scramble him two eggs. I was usually do two eggs in scrambled egg for one person. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to have to do three. But he only had three eggs. He got, what's this? Where's the third egg? I said, I've put it in there. Why? I said, because they're, they're fucking small. That stuff you said is bollocks. It would have been like, 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 it would have been like a tiny fucking tiny amount of egg on a bit of toast, if not. He went, oh, well, that just makes the whole economising thing just pointless then, doesn't it? If you're just going to use more eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. And then he went, Why haven't you why have you not put butter in the pan first? And I said, Oh, that's a, that's how I do it. Why? And I went, Well actually, years ago I saw a video with, with um Gordon Ramsay teaching mm. how to make scrambled eggs. And at that he just rolled his eyes and went, Oh please. And I went, Well, what he said was he went, you need to cool the eggs down so they don't overcook in the pan. He said, so it's a really good idea. Just when they're half cooked, chuck in a knob of butter. The butter cools it down, slows down the cooking process. It melts into the eggs and then they come out right. nice and creamy like most mm. people like them, right? And he went, give me a break, Gordon Ramsay. I said, look, you might not like Gordon Ramsay. I said, but the bloke's got three Michelin stars. He knows how to fucking scramble eggs. And he went... That's just bollocks. These chefs give make shit up because if they just say scrambled eggs are just scrambled eggs, then now they're going to make their money, right? Yeah. If they just say just scramble an egg, right? <clears throat> they've got like, they've got to have some little thing, haven't they? So I went, all right. What I said, whatever, whatever, and I just made them. I said, eat, eat your fucking eggs, right? Then then later, my sister comes round, so I'm making some tea, right? And he goes to me. He's looking at me making the tea. I said, I know you're going to say something about the way I make tea, but at the end of the day, you've got a broken arm and you can't make tea. So I'm making the tea, so it's getting made my way. And he looked at something. I think it was like the way I was putting the milk into the cups. And he just smiled. And I said, what are you smiling about? And he went, <laughs> he went, got any little Gordon Ramsay tips up your sleeve about how to make a tea, have you? <laughs> I went, I fucking hate coming round here. (laughs) And then you know what he says to me when I do that? He goes, you want to chill out a bit? (laughs) Got ya. (laughs) You want to chill out? Yeah. You want to relax, mate? Come on, pussycat. It's just a bit of fun. And he's never fucking sling round his arm. He can't do fuck all. Eh, come on. It's just a bit of fun. Oh, man. Oh, that is not very nice that you just came over to make for me. Fuck Classic. You now. Where's your Gordon Ramsay now, you little cunt? <laughs> I mean, you know, hats off to the fellow. Without him, this podcast would not be what it was. Oh, there's more to come from been. him. Because, like, yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> just so funny going around and trying to take care of him. Because, obviously, Fucking he resents... He resents me taking care of him as well. For, and and yeah, I get of course. that. I, I mean, of I'd course. be the same, I'm sure. It is a horrible situation for him. But yeah. it does. And the thing is, as well, is, is that my other siblings don't rise to him. They're like, fair play. They just don't rise to it. So mm. he knows that I'm the only one who rises to this shit. 
And so he just rubs. I think he rubs his hands when it's Mike because we're taking it in turns. He's like, it's a Sam day. Great. (laughs) Incredible. Mm. Um, We'll have to go because we've done nearly an hour, Sam. Fucking hell. (laughs) Well, I've I've enjoyed it. I've got to go to a meeting. Um, We'll we'll do the predictions offline and put them on the Twitter. And I think we're on, on Blue Sky as well and Threads as well. Oh. I've got to sign up to them, but I haven't posted anything. Yeah, I've we'll done threads in ages. Well. It seemed like it was going to go kick off, but then it didn't. Uh, so there we are. Thanks for listening, everybody, and goodbye. Goodbye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.